Welcome to the Aurora Cornerstone Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We hope today's message is an encouragement to you. Well, I am going to uh, uh, share a few words this evening in regard to uh, the topic I was going to share this morning. So um, I know you all, I, I'm seeing you there. I'm seeing you all just kind of chilling out and looking comfortable. That's good. I'm going to um, take you to two scriptures. And the first one is found in John chapter 17. And the second one found in Proverbs 16. So the first one, John 17. The second, Proverbs 16. John chapter 17, verse 15. Are you ready? Jesus is praying. He's praying to the Father. He says, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. I'm going to read that again. I want you to just notice something a little bit different on this. I'm going to ask you to put your name wherever it says them or they. And we're, this is in keeping with the text. We're going to put your name there. So get ready. And then every time it says where, remember, Jesus is praying. When he says I, the word I, we're just going to put the name Jesus in there. It just makes it personal because it's Jesus praying the prayer. Okay, let's do it again where Jesus, Jesus says, my prayer is not that you take them, put your name there, them, whoever you are, will not take them out of this world, but that you protect them. Put your name there. Protect them. From the evil one. They, put your name there, Wayne, they, not of this world, even as Jesus is not of it. Sanctify, put your your name there, Wayne, your name, by the truth, your word is truth. As you have sent Jesus into the world, I have sent, put your name there, into the world. When you put your name into those places, it makes it very personal. And we realize this is what he is saying to us. The series that we're on, second part tonight, is in but not of. In but not of. And the whole focus here is We've been sent into the world, but we're not of this world. He has sent us into this world to make a difference. When we have embraced Christ as Lord and Savior, then we represent him. And our mission is for him in this world. But let us not be mistaken. This world does not define us. This world does not label us. This world does not tell me who I am. My identity is not defined by what this world. When I say this world, I'm not referring to a lump of of, of clay, a ball called a globe called earth. I'm referring to the world system that many times is not of Christ. Now, Proverbs chapter 16 is our text today. This is the one I want to share. How much better, verse 16, how much better to get wisdom than gold, to get insight rather than silver. The highway of the upright avoids evil. Those who guard their ways preserve their lives. Pride goes before destruction. Have you heard that one before? (laughs) Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. Better to be lowly in spirit along with the oppressed 
than to share plunder with the proud. Whoever gives heed to instruction prospers. And blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord. The wise in heart are called discerning, and gracious words promote instruction. Prudence is a fountain of life to the prudent, but folly brings punishment to fools. Verse 25. There is a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death. This evening, I want to tell a story. It's that kind of a day. And this story has present day life applications. This is a historic story that uh, it's a true story. Many of you know, will know the story. Some of you who are historians will know the story a lot better than I'm describing it tonight. Many of us know pieces of this story. We've watched movies on it. Maybe we've read books. We've heard stories about it. But the story I want to talk about tonight and the title of what we're sharing here tonight is Lessons to be Learned from the Titanic. Yes, we're going to talk about the Titanic. Uh, it was 108 years ago last month that the great Titanic sunk to the bottom of the ocean. And there's a lot of history around the Titanic. If you were to go to Wikipedia or to do a search on the Titanic and its history and the story, you will read a lot of what I'm telling you tonight. But I'm just going to sum it up into three different categories regarding lessons to be learned. Because I think there's some real life lessons of the day in which the Titanic went down and the circumstances, the events around the Titanic and the lives lost to the events we have right now in 2020 and lives being lost. Let me start. The RMS Titanic. It sank early in the hours of April the 15th, 1912 in the Northern Atlantic Ocean. It was only four days into the ship's maiden voyage from Southampton to New York City. It was the largest ocean liner in service at the time. The Titanic had an estimated 2,224 people on board. When on that fateful night, she struck an iceberg at around 23.40, around 11.40 p.m. on Sunday, 14th April, 1912. She would sink two hours and 40 minutes later on Monday, the 15th of April. And that sinking resulted in the deaths of more than 1,500 people, making the sinking of the Titanic the deadliest peacetime marine disaster in history. Titanic had received that evening multiple warnings, warnings of the impending danger. It had received warnings that there was massive icebergs, but it was traveling and it continued to travel at 22 knots when her lookouts sighted the iceberg. Unable to turn quickly enough, the ship suffered a glancing blow that buckled her starboard side and opened six of her 16 compartments 
that began to quickly flood, the crew realized the ship would sink. They used distress flares, radio, wireless messages to attract help as passengers were put into lifeboats. Let me tell a little bit more of this story. When the Titanic was built, the Titanic was a symbol of the day. It was a symbol of opulence. It was a symbol of invincibility. That's going to be a word I'm going to drop a few times here tonight. Invincibility. You see, history does repeat itself. And the British Empire, along with others of its day, felt that they were invincible, that they were strong, powerful, and nothing could really touch them. The Titanic, the Titanic in that period of 1912 reflected a period of extravagance. If you were to look at the history of much of the modern world of that day, you would see extravagance, arrogance, the separation of the wealthy and the forgetting of the hurting and the needy. And there was a belief system, a philosophy. It wasn't just thought. It just wasn't an undercurrent. It was a philosophy that spoke of the day that really nothing could sink the amazing economy of the early 20th century. This attitude in, is in direct contrast to what we just read. In God's wisdom, he says, pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. Better to be lowly in spirit and among the oppressed than to share plunder with the proud. In other words, better it is to keep your heart humble and not buy into the God of this age that we are the masters of our own fate. Have you ever heard of that? Oh, you hear it all the time in universities and colleges. They get up the valedictorian speaker and frequently they'll say, you're the master of your own fate. Now, I get maybe what they're trying to say, and to some degree, we need to pursue our future, but we are not the masters of our fame. And this was lost in the day of 1912, in a day of invincibility. Who could touch us? When you think about it, you think about this story of the Titanic who could have dreamed in 1912 that in just two short years, the entire world, for the first time ever, would be inflamed in war? Two years from the sinking of the Titanic. The invincible empire that would hit not just a physical iceberg out in the Atlantic Ocean. The world and the arrogant would be at war with one another. The Lord did not sink the Titanic that day. Pride sank the Titanic because they didn't think she could sink. They didn't think she could go down. They boldly sailed into dangerous waters with reckless abandon. The unsinkable pride of an empire proved to be incredibly fragile, just like the empire itself and just like every single empire, even to this day. In relation to present world economy, I mean, think about it. It has been repeated by many and believed by most that what happened following World War I, 
the Great Depression of the 20s, late 20s, early 30s. It could never happen again. Yet here we are. We are beyond a time where it's a recession. They're talking words like depression. I mean, how do you answer to what is going to happen in the days ahead? And back then, in the late 1920s and early 30s, an economy that believed nothing could touch it was turned upside down. It is said that back in those days, they didn't believe it would happen because they said there was too many safeguards in place. And you know, I hear that all the time. We got, we got, we got government, we got banks, we got institutions, we, we know how to do this. Well, any serious historian will laugh if they hear you say that. You've heard the expression, history repeats itself? It does. You see, every new modern age believes they're the exception, but they're not. You go back into the scripture readings and you go to 1 Kings, 2 Kings, 1 Chronicles, 2 Chronicles, and read the repetition of mistakes and how history repeats itself. No, we have a tendency as people not to learn. Again, remember what we're talking, the series, in but not of this world. You see, of this world, we're going to continue to make those mistakes. But if we, or sorry, if we, if, if, yeah, if we're of the world, but if we're not in the world, if we understand that we have been sent by God to impact, but, but the world system's not our system. We don't have to buy into it. Then we can understand that we do stand apart. Here we are in 2020 in the age of modernization, with the small, almost invincible, invisible virus that has brought our entire world to a halt. I think the story of the Titanic relates. When I began to reflect on this, I began to think, oh God, may, our, may, may the body of Christ do better today. May we do better in 2020 than has happened back then. Now, history will tell that that won't always be true. Why does history repeat itself? Well, students of history marvel at the repetitious styles and cycles, how it repeats itself over and over. We, if we don't learn from our mistakes, we repeat our mistakes. You've heard it. The tragedy of the Titanic brought to light some striking revelations. I want to share three of them. They're not going to take long, but there are three stories around the Titanic, and they're around people who rose up or did not rise up in leadership. All of which three I suggest can be seen in the world and in the church today. Let me talk about it. The first type can be seen in Captain Smith and the crew of the Titanic. Now I've asked Pastor Trish if she could throw up maybe a picture, we'll see it. They were the best crew the British had. They believed that there was not a more intelligent, experienced sea captain than Captain Smith. Combined with his record of never having had a single accident at sea and what appeared to be the unsinkable ship. Now there's ingredients for success. A perfect record, a perfect ship. These characters though, hindsight, are probably the single most contributing factor to the doom of the ship that night. They fed pride. And pride feeds carelessness, which sooner or later leads to tragedy. Pride. You've probably heard it said, maybe you've said it, you know, 
Let's not be prideful. And we read earlier in Proverbs, you know, pride be pride comes before a fall. And we know that in the word pride, the middle letter is the word I, and pride's all about me. It's all about I can do it. I can do it by myself. I don't need someone else. Or maybe we attest that we do need God, but we don't really fully surrender our lives to him. You see the Titanic on that night, the crew, the crew had prior to that sailing had never held a proper lifeboat drill. They did not have a plan for the orderly movement of passengers to the boats. The crew didn't even know how to lower them into the ocean. Now, if you, if I have any cruisers out there, any cruisers out there, if you've gone on a cruise, you know one of the first things they do when they're leaving port. They call you out on the deck and you call, are called out by zones and they go through what will happen if there's a tragedy at sea and where you go for your lifeboat. They go through the whole thing. The Titanic never even had, the crew didn't even know what to do. Everything had to be planned on that fateful night while the ship was sinking under their feet. Thus, more life was lost than necessary. Many boats were later discovered to have been lowered into the water with only a handful of people on them, while hundreds of passengers were locked below deck by the crew whose job it was to save them. What a horrible story. The entire ship had been caught off guard by the events of that night, and they paid for it. Here's the point, I guess. Will we, you and I, today, are we caught in the same position? Our Lord God exhorts us to know the times that we live in. I think we're getting a bit of a wake-up call. The times we live in. This is not an alarmist message, but this is, I believe, a message of awaken, arise. Know the times we live in. May we discern the times and not be caught asleep. Perpetual well-being can open doors to the most dangerous enemy, and that is complacency. Why else would the Titanic crew ignore no less than six warnings of deadly icebergs? They ignored every single one of them. They were overconfident. Overconfident. So let's leave the Titanic for a minute. Let's go to another ship. And I'm going to call this second point the danger of being overly cautious. There were two other ships that played a significant role in the Titanic's disaster, and this is all history. You can go into old newspaper articles, which I did this past week, especially into old New York Times articles, and they uh, reveal the court cases around the sinking of the Titanic. And both these ships and their captains and their crew were brought to court, and there was a lot of disclosure around two other ships, one called the Californian and the other called the Carpathia. Let me tell you a little bit about them. The second ship, the Californian. The Californian had a captain who had obviously learned something from his years of success and failures. He was reserved and cautious, but actually he was a bit overly cautious. You see, if we allow fear or failure to rule us, we become overly cautious which in many ways is just as deadly as being overly confident, like Captain Smith's case. So let's put up the picture of Captain Lord of the Californian. Captain Lord heard about the ice in the path, and he sh slowed the Californian down. When he saw the ice himself, he stopped, and he waited for daylight. 
his wireless radio operator, began warning any other ships that might be in the area. They began warning them of the danger at 7.30 that night. Her warning was logged and received by the Titanic at 7.30. The Titanic heard it. The unusual stormy North Atlantic was, however, amazingly calm that night. It's filled with icebergs, but they were not rough waters. The bridge watch of the Californian actually saw the Titanic approaching just a few short miles away, and they saw her stop dead in the water. At first, they thought that she was like them, taking the same precautions, waiting out the night until the early morning hours. But then the Titanic began to fire rockets into the air every few minutes, which at sea is a sign of what? Sign of distress. The crew of the California rationalized, though. They rationalized the rockets. They rationalized the flares, remarking, well, it must be a, a celebration. Maybe it's a signal meant for another ship on the other side that the Californian can't see. They rationalized the flares. They didn't even bother to wake up the radio operator. You see, it was, it was late. And they didn't bother to wake up the radio operator. He could have at least radioed the Titanic to see what's happening over there. They didn't bother to wake him up. The captain went back to sleep in his quarters. And then they watched what appeared to them like the Titanic sailed off into the night. The lights disappeared. What they didn't know was she sank. They excused it that she sailed off. Had the California responded to the first distress signals, the Californian is believed to have been able to have saved every single life. Wow. The incredible attitude of the Californian captain is matched by, I think, some today. It's called rationalization. You see, it's a shield for cowards. When we're afraid of what ICE might do, and so we humor one another with unbelievable reasons why and excuses why when there's obvious emergencies around us, we don't do anything. We come up with great excuses. We, we, we console one another to go back to sleep. It's really nothing. As our world continues to sink, I guess the question is, what about us? Revelations 21.8 says, but the cowardly the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars. Oh, what does it say? Their place will be in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. Okay, now we don't, we don't like staying on those verses very long, but here's something I do want you to, before you go off of it, I want you to note something. Here's something we missed. Did you note the very first part of verse eight? But the cowardly, the cowardly? Did you notice the cowardly is put in with the same group as murderers? sexually immoral, and those in the occult? It can't be. They're placed in the same place as idolaters and all liars. The cowardly? You see, the cowardly fear stepping out and risking and doing something when they need to be courageous and step forward. Hmm. Californian. They were the villains of the Titanic story, as history has proven and so her captain. Let me take you to a better story. 
is the third ship, the last one, the last one I'm going to share. The example of what I believe is God, true godliness, true leadership in times like this. The third ship is on that fateful night was the Carpathia, captained by Arthur H. Ronstron. He was known for his ability to make quick decisions, to energize those who served under him. He's a wonderful example of the leadership the Lord is preparing for this day. Rostron was a pious man devoted to prayer. 12.30 a.m., the Carpathia's wireless operator burst into the captain's quarters to report that the Titanic had struck an iceberg. Rostron reacted in character. He immediately ordered the Carpathia turn around and full speed ahead. It was said that later he asked the operator if he was sure about the report, a striking contrast to the reaction on the California. Rostron then gave a masterful display of a truly prepared mind. He thought of everything and took care of every detail. He ordered the English doctor to the first class dining room, the Italian doctor to second class, the Hungarian to the third class, along with every possible piece of equipment or supplies needed for the sick and for the wounded. He ordered different officers to different gangways, instructing them to get the names of survivors to send by wireless. They prepared block and lines with chair slings that they could bring up the wounded. Bow lines were secured along the ship's sides along with boat ropes and heaving lines for lifting peoples and chairs. All gangway doors were opened. He then directed specific officers, take charge of his present passengers and to see to their needs. Again, remember, this is in the middle of the night. All hands were to prepare coffee, soup, and provisions. He then designated all officer cabins, smoke rooms, libraries, and all other rooms as accommodations for survivors. Stewards were sent to reassure and explain to their own passengers of the Carpathia that the reason for the activity and to keep them calm. Then Rostron turned to face the biggest problem he had before him, icebergs. He was headed full speed into the same field that had sunk the unsinkable Titanic. But this courageous man, reducing speed was out of the question, but he would take every measure to reduce the risk to his own ship and to his passengers. He added a man to the crow's nest. He put two more on the bow, one on each wing of the bridge, and there he stayed himself. His second officer, James Bissett, then noticed his captain taking one last measure, which went down in the chronicles of the story that what the captain did was probably the most important thing he did at all. He led them in prayer. 2.45 a.m., April 15, Bissett saw the around it, kept going. The next hours, they would dodge Five significant icebergs. 4 a.m., they reached the Titanic's last called position and began picking up lifeboats. As the sun rose, rose on that calm morning, it revealed a staggering sight. 
The sea was full of icebergs for as far as the eye could see in every direction. Even with all the lookouts, the Carpathia had passed numerous icebergs, which they just did not see. And all knew it was God's help. The difficult rescue of the survivors was carried out with such order and discipline that peace reigned throughout. The Carpathia's passengers caught the spirit and self-sacrifice from the crew. Her first-class passengers gave up their quarters to survivors. Others did all they could do. On one of the darkest nights of tragedy ever experienced on the high seas, the Carpathia's captain and crew goes down in history as bright lights of courage and heroism. It's an interesting story, is it not? I have to ask then the closing question. When we begin to feel as a people that we are the masters of our own fate, when we begin to, whether we say it, feel invincible, and we begin to put trust in systems and policies and power and money and prestige and our health and our own wisdom, beware. Beware because the scripture talks about be careful about pride. Can I go back and read that scripture? I think that scripture in Proverbs 16 takes on a bit more strength now, doesn't it? Let's go back and reread that. Proverbs 16, 16. How much better to get wisdom than gold, to get insight rather than silver. The highway of the upright avoids evil. Those who guard their ways preserve their lives. Pride goes before destruction. A haughty spirit before a fall. Better to be lowly in spirit along with the oppressed than to share plunder with the proud. Whoever gives heed to instruction prospers and blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord. The wise in heart are called discerning and gracious words promote instruction. Prudence is a fountain of life to the prudent, but folly brings punishment to fools. 25, there is a way that appears to be right. But in the end, it leads to destruction. My prayer is, oh God, help me to be not overly confident. Help me not to be fearful and overly cautious, afraid to step out. You know, there are those who just said, you know, I've done my time, let younger people do it, or there's too much risk. I, I have to ask the question, what would that captain have done what would the Lord call us to do in the midst of such times? What would real courage look like? What would real courage look like? And in the days ahead, to meet the needs of people. May we instead, may we have faith. May we have trust and confidence in our Lord. Again, what Jesus' prayer was, he prayed, he said, Father, I pray that you protect them from this evil one of the world. They are not of the world as you and I are not of the world. Sanctify them, make them holy, set them apart by your truth, because God's word is truth. That as God, our Father, sent Jesus into the world, so he has sent us. Let me pray with you. And I know you're sitting in your living rooms or bedrooms or or dining rooms or wherever it is. 
But I'm just going to invite you. Can we just turn these rooms? I'm in my, I'm in my living room. Can we just turn these rooms into an altar place? We're going to pray. And we would be a mess if we just hear this and go, wow, that's really interesting. And nothing alters. But my prayer is that, Lord, may wisdom come and wake up. May it, may it rise before us so that we might be able to look upon the time, discern the days that we live in, so that we might be godly during these days. Let me pray for you. Father in heaven, we just bow our hearts before you this evening. It's been, a, it's been a good day. It's been a beautiful day. But Lord, sometimes we have missed the obvious signs of our times. And Lord, this particular remembrance of a tragic event 108 years ago stirs us to remember the times in which it happened. It didn't need to happen. If they had just not been so pride-filled, if the Californian had not been so fearful, the story would have been different. Lord, I believe that this is serving as an example to us today, that a little tiny something that we can't even see with our physical eyes that can shut down a world's economy. Lord, we are not the masters of our own faith. And so, Lord, maybe tonight, right here, we just need to start by saying, God, forgive me. Lord, I confess of my pride. Lord, if I was to look at where I've spent my time, where I've spent my energy, where I, where I consume myself, the things that have occupied, and maybe I put my trust in others, in the system, in our great economy, in our bank account, in our jobs, in our good health, and yet all that will pass away. So, Lord, this is a gentle reminder that, God, we need to come back to you, asking you, God, forgive us for pride. Forgive us for being overly confident. Lord, maybe, us, maybe we've been fearful. Maybe we have been not courageous. We just need to step out. We, we've not made a difference. I mean, not really. And, Lord, it would be easy to just come up with excuses and to simply, uh, you know, uh, speak to one another that we don't have to do this. But God, you're calling us to action. You're calling us to move forward full speed. And so God, I pray that you would raise up every person. I pray for every man, woman, teenager, and child who's with us tonight, that we would rise up. And those that will listen later by podcast, that we will rise up hearing this. We will rise up and say, God, count me in. I want to be of those who are courageous for the things of Christ. And so, God, you hear our prayer. Now, Lord, we determine to follow through with action. Show us, give us discernment, give us ways, give us understanding on how we can serve you in these days, we pray. In the powerful and precious name of Jesus, giving you all thanks and all praise. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Thanks for listening to the Aurora Cornerstone podcast. Remember to subscribe. For more information about our church and our ministries, visit auroracornerstone.ca.